What up, family? This is a sermon from the downtown congregation of Park Church. May it bless your soul as you dig deeper into God's Word. More resources and info are online at parkchurch.org. If you could, turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we'll be at verses, we'll start at verse 6, uh, excuse me, verse 11 through 16. And although we're reading these verses, what will happen is we will cover probably really the verses 1 through 16 in its scope throughout this sermon, but in particular, we're going to read verses 11 through 16 here. If you got to say amen. If you, need a, if you need a second, say hold up. All right, we good? All right. Here we go. Starting at verse 16, Ephesians chapter 4, excuse me, verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, shepherds, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves and carried, out, carried about every wind of doctrine by human cunning, by crafty, craftiness in deceitful schemes, but rather... Speak the truth in love. We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, you are so good, faithful, just, kind. Thank you for being patient with us. I pray, Father, as we come here this moment under the sound of my voice, by your power, as we gathered here, that we would have our hearts and minds open to understand what you have to say today. In a timely word on building community, where our country is so divisive over various things, what better way for us to be reminded how we as the body of believers are called to live a particular way that advances your kingdom agenda until Jesus returns. So, Father, whatever we're carrying into this room today, may we lay it at your feet, because in you we can find rest. And I pray that your word will encourage some, that it would rebuke some, that it would ignite a fire in those who feel like the fire is going out, and ultimately that it would bring life from dead places, that it would save those who are not believers, that people would give their life to you and reorient their life to you and refocus on who you are because you are good and you are faithful. And God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And we all together as one church said, amen. amen. 
Symbiotic growth is growth that occurs between two organisms where both benefit. Parasitic growth is growth that occurs when one organism is growing because it's feeding off of another. As believers, as Christians, we must ask ourselves, how are we functioning in the organism of the body of Christ? We have to ask ourselves the question, am I a spiritual parasite? Sing to me, pray to me, counsel me, help me. Do this for me, preach to me. All in a while, not expecting nothing in return, not expecting to engage ourselves. I might give you a little bit, maybe, but no, I, I need you to serve me and, and help me. But in reality, as believers, as Christians, we should have a desire and an interest in symbiotic growth. We have the understanding, yes, I have needs, 100%. However, I am willing to give just as much because I know it is good for everyone and everyone can benefit, not just myself. And my purpose here today as we preach, or as I preach, as we get into this text, is for us to see that we are called by God through Christ as one family to maintain the unity that Christ brought about and that we are to participate in the building up of the community for God's glory and his kingdom advancement. That's what it is here today. And when we look at this, and particularly the book of Ephesians, really in its simplest form, what's happening here is that in the church of Ephesus, there's division because you have the Jews and non-Jews, and it's made up of diverse people from different walk of life and ethnicity. And what Paul is trying to do is saying, hey, as believers of the body, let's refocus ourselves on the one hope. Let's refocus our attention. Let's refocus on God's original tent for mankind, how we are one body, one family, brought together because of Jesus. And so we're going to get into verse, we're going to get into chapter 4, but here's what's important. You cannot appreciate chapter 4. You cannot appreciate what we're about to get into in chapter 4 without really understanding how chapters 1 through 3 set the foundation for even chapters 4 through 6 to even happen. Chapters 1 through 3 starts with um, the doctrine and theological alignment before it gets to the action that we see through verses four, uh, chapter 4 through 6. And so what we're going to do real quick, I'm going to walk back and we're going to say, hey, I'm going to just give a quick synopsis. Here's what chapter 1 is, chapter 2, chapter 3, and then we will spend our time in chapter 4. Chapter 1, we're reminded how we're predestined, how we're called by God himself through Jesus. We have redemption through his blood, right? Forgiveness of our sins because the richness of his grace was lavished upon us. And in verse 10 of chapter 1, it says that God's purpose is to unify everything under Jesus. Then we got chapter 2 that talks about how we're saved by grace. We were dead in our trespasses. 
But God, being rich in mercy, having great love towards us, right? When we were dead in our trespasses, when we had no hope without God, by his grace made us alive. My Lord, I'm trying not to get happy here. Walk with me. Made us alive. Hear me now. Made us alive together in Christ. We were once far off, but we were brought near by the blood of Jesus because he went to Calvary, not because we all that in a bag of chips, but because he loves us so much. And so therefore, he said, I'm willing to be nailed to the cross. I'll take your sin. You take my righteousness. And therefore, because of that, the dividing wall of hostility has been taken down. Jews and non-Jews can come together under the banner and the blood of Jesus and live in a way that it wouldn't be possible if Christ had not done what he did. Hear me now. The dividing walls has been taken down. The fact that different ethnicities and different cultures can be together is a miracle and an act of God because left up to our own device, let's just be real, we wouldn't fool with certain people but God. Then it reminds us in chapter 2 that we're fellow citizens. We're fellow citizens of the, uh, um, um, and we're fellow saints of the household of God. And then in chapter 3, it talks about how this mystery was revealed to us. The gospel that was a mystery has now been revealed to us. And it talks about how the church is, um, is, is, is a manifold wisdom of Christ. But get this now. How we live in community has implications, yes, for those who are here on earth as people watch us interact with one another. But it also has implications in the spiritual realm. Because in chapter 3, in verse 10... It talks about, and it says here, let me read it exactly. I don't want to mess up God's word. Give me some grace. It says, so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of Christ might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places, my Lord. What he's saying is that the church is like a prism. It's being displayed. It's displaying the rich colors of God, manifold wisdom. And through it, God is teaching the angelic realm both angels and demons, as we, as well as humans here on earth. His wisdom is being seen as he brings together sinners through every tribe, tongue, and nations into one heavenly community. Now we come to chapter 4. Because of the doctrine and theological foundation that is set, that Paul is trying to remind the believers... Because it will be reckless to ju just to do. We have to know why we are pursuing and why we are going. And the implication thereof, and knowing what God has done for us, this should springboard every last one of us to pursue unity in such a way and participate in building up the community because of what Christ has done for us. And so what we see here, we get to chapter 4. And again, I want to remind us here, we'll start at verses 4 through 6. In verses 4 through 6 in chapter 4, he says this, there is one body. And this is important because this is where our, the origin of our divine unity comes from. There's one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, 
one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. What he's saying, one body, regardless of your culture, your ethnicity, we are part of the same family, yet we are one. One spirit, we've been called by God. When we answer the call and repent of our sins and acknowledge that we needed a Savior, we're called here. One hope that belongs to us all, regardless of our vocation, we still have one hope. If you are a believer in Christ, you have one hope, and the expression of that is lived out as we go out into the marketplace, but we should never forget what our hope is, which is to represent Him and bring glory to Him. That's the common goal. We have one Lord. When we follow our Lord, we all are on focusing on the main thing here. So we see this oneness that is very clear. But hear me now as we talk about how we are to be one unified body. And that's the divine origin. But look at me as we reverse this here real quick. Look what he says in verse 3. He says, eager to maintain the unity of the faith, or you, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Let's break this down here for a little bit. Eager to maintain. Fascinating. This word eager, is, it, it is one of zeal. It is like make every effort. This is a diligent, this is a earnest, this is something that needs to happen. You need to do with enthusiasm and as much as you can. Hey. Make every, be eager to do this. And what's fascinating is that when you look at verse 1, here's why you're eager to do that. Because in verse 1, it says, that Paul, it says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urges you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling to which you have been called. So we've been called by God. He's urging us to live in such a way because we've been called by God and the weight of our calling has been so, is so weighty and so worthy, there ought to be some urgency to be united and to maintain unity as believers in the body. He says, eager to maintain. And here's what's good news. Notice it says to maintain, meaning that God through Jesus has already brought the unity has brought it about, but our role is to maintain, to preserve this unity and to do it with the bond of peace, meaning we ought to be peacemakers. Listen, in John, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, We proclaim to you what we have seen and what we have heard, so that also you may have fellowship with us. And fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. As we draw closer to God, which means that we will draw closer to each other. And understand, we maintain the unity because he's created it here. And hear me now, how can we maintain it? Well, you understand, people are different than me. This person gets on my nerves, and this person irritates me, and I'm frustrated. I don't like the way they think. I don't like the way they talk. Man, there's something about this. Hear me now, we can maintain it because of what Jesus has done. Because we're all broken people. I don't care what we got. We all got some messed up stuff in here, but God... But here's the beautiful thing. Jesus is the emulsifier. So one that is oil and water, we can mix and blend because Jesus allows it to be mixed. It can allow it to be blended instead of separated and divided. And there's many places throughout Scripture that points to how we ought to be in aggressive pursuit of the peace. 
just one verse, Romans 14, 19, it talks about how we are to make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Let me ask you this question. What are you eager about? What are you eager about in your life? If you take a snapshot of your life, what is something that you're zealous and eager about to go about, to, to, to do? Are you equally eager to maintain the unity with your siblings in God's household? Now, here's what's fascinating as he talks about this unity. In verses 1 through 3, he gets to the character that is needed to build up unity here. So you're like, I hear you. All right, I got to be eager to do that as we should. Jesus, made, we, we, I got to maintain it great. But again, right, it's hard. You don't understand. It's frustrating. And hear me, I sit here and stand before you understanding it is hard because I've been in spaces and know what it's like. And it gets frustrating. But I'm so grateful for verses 1 to 3. Even though I don't like it, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to tell you why. Here, God, let's look at it. Look what he says. What does he say? Starting in verse 2. He says, as we live, in, as we, live, as we walk out um, our life, our calling with urgency, which we've been called, he says in verse 2, you do this, which also helps us to be eager and to produce unity here, or to bring it, to maintain it. He says, with all humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, my Lord. Humility. See yourself as God sees you with infinite value. Not more than anybody else. Not thinking you all that in a bag of chips. Because Romans chapter 12 tells us that we ought not think more highly than we ought, but yet we ought to think with sober judgment here. Humility, you're accepting God's authority instead of your authority. You're willing to order your life to serve God and to serve others with humility, all humility, meekness, greatness, or excuse me, gentleness. To be meek, to be one that, has, that is to have power, that is under control. Going to be gentle with people. Patience. Oh, my gosh. Lord, hear me. Help me today. I don't know about you, but I struggle in some of these things. Hear me now. I'm serious. I struggle with this. Patience, meaning we're trusting and believing in God's timing. Oh, no matter what it is. It's not, Lord, give me patience, but hurry up. That's what we do. God, give me patience. And he's like, man, it's been one week. What's up, God? Where you at? I got to get through this. This is rough. Patience is patience. It is saying we're going to wait for God to act when he wants, how he wants, and the time that he wants. Oh, man, that's so hard. Could you imagine Noah? God said, hey, Noah, I need you to build this ark because it's going to be flood. Water's coming. And he did it for 140 years. 
Hear me, patience doesn't mean you may not get frustrated. Patience does not mean that people may not mock you. Patience does not mean that trouble and suffering won't come your way. That's not what it means. But what happens is that you realize what God has told you and you're willing to hang in there because he has called you. This one, bearing, as it says, with one another. Oh my gosh. Bearing with one another in love. Another translation, showing tolerance with one another. That means we're willing to put up with something or someone in the spirit of love. That's so hard to do, and that's why we can't do, you see why we can't do uh, 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 these verses, even starting chapter 4, moving on, because these things are hard. We're broken people, and if we're real with ourselves, we experience people that irritate us and frustrate us and think differently, and, 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 and get this, it's very funny how it's always them, never us. Right? We ain't the one that's causing problems. We ain't the one that's getting on somebody's nerves. But we all know that's not true here. But when you look at this, when he says with humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, that's how you can be eager to maintain the unity of the faith because you realize, you realize that something's more important than my own agenda than my own opinion, than trying to make you look bad so that I can be elevated, whatever the case may be. And there's some of us in here today, there are some situations that we're ready to check out. We're ready to peace out. we be like, I'm done with this. I'm irritated with this. But hear me now. Could it be for a moment that God is saying, hey, the person that you're looking at, and particularly your brother and sister in the faith, man, they are image bearers, and there's something that I want to reflect to you and show, me, show you about who I am and get this in return. You'll find something else about yourself. It sucks and it hurts when we look into the mirror and we see blemishes and we see uh, 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 things that don't look so great. And so what we do is we act it out on someone else all the while not owning our own stuff. So don't hear me now. Don't say that I can't do any of these things. Don't tell me that I can't do all these things because all these things, all these characteristics, gentleness, humility, patience, bearing with one another, they're characteristics that flow from God through Jesus Christ and they're empowered by the Holy Spirit. We can and we can do these. We just have to submit ourselves under the authority of God and submit to the Holy Spirit when we want to check out. And hear me, many of us want to check out. I be there, I'm in there sometimes and I'm like, I'm ready to go. But because of my calling and because I know what God has called me to, I'm like, I can't leave. And for whatever reason, various reasons, we say we can't do it. But understand the enemy loves nothing more important. He loves nothing more than to force not to press in, not to depend on the spirit. And let us be a people, and particularly Park Church downtown, that's not like that. Let us not think we got it all together. Let's be dependent on the Holy Spirit here. And sometimes the reason why we're not eager to maintain the unity is because our focus is off and we forgot what our hope is and our purpose is. Oftentimes we're eager, hear me now, because we're eager to do something. We're either eager to move in career advancement. Sometimes we're eager to grumble. We're eager to see shortcomings. We're eager to, to, to check out the moment frustration hits. We're eager to get our way instead of God's way. 
And I mentioned this earlier. I'm not saying that people aren't difficult. I'm not saying we are not difficult. Hear me. We are not difficult, right? Because it's always somebody else. But we got to realize we got our own struggle. We bring something to the table. But hear me. Even our siblings, as our siblings in the family of God, siblings are different. And even though we're different and have different things, there's going to be difficulties because we see things different. We grow up different, you know, especially if there's different age gaps and you see things. You're like, well, mom and dad didn't let me do that, but they let you do that. And so now you can't stand them because they get away with everything. And you got beat down all the time because you was the oldest person or whatever the case may be. Whether you've seen that experience, that, but hear me, the same is true in the God's household. What do I mean? We ought to remember that we have differences. And yes, it is difficult at times, but God. Through rich and mercy brought us near to him, and therefore we can do that. Now, what do we see here? Within the unity, there is diversity in his families. We all are different. We have different giftings. We move different. We have different things that we bring to the table. Where do you see that at? Because it says in verse 11, where he starts off and he lists the gift of leadership, he says, and he gave, meaning God gave, but really verse 11 picks up at verse 7, which verse 7 lets us know, it says, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. We also see, what are we saying is that God gives gifts and we are uniquely wired in different ways and God is the one that gives them to us, not yourself. When you submit your life to Christ, when you admit that you are, um, um, that you are a child of God because you put your hope and faith in Jesus, now you are endowed and you are gifted and to live out the spiritual gift that God has given us, and he's given it according to his measure. We also see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 where it talks about there's various gifts, but it's the same Lord, and it's given, for the empower, it's given uh, and it's empowered through God, through the Holy Spirit. And he gives according to his measure. And why does he give it? Because if you keep reading here, when you look at verse 11, and he's given these gifts and these leaders to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, he says, he's given the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. What that means is that the leaders aren't not to do everything. Leaders aren't supposed to do all the stuff. If, you, if God, by God's grace, God has given us some paid staff here to do things, and that's not mean that we do everything. No, what that means is that there's equipping that goes so that you, who is empowered by the Holy Spirit, can be able to go and carry the gospel and live it out in your jobs, in your homes, and everywhere you go. That's why we receive the benediction at the end of service, so that now you can be commissioned to go and be ambassadors for Jesus. But notice what it says, for the working of the service, for the work of the service, really ministry. But it's for service here that we use our different giftings because it's building up the body. And hear me now, we, some of us may have the same gifts, but the expression of our gifts will look different. Even though we may have the same gifts, it looks different. One of the things that you see that displayed easily here is the fact that Pastor Matt and I, we both still preach, we both have the same gift, but the expression of those things are totally different. So just because the expression of your gift is different doesn't mean that someone is less than or you are more than. It's just look different because there's people that you're going to reach that I can't reach. There's going to be people that's going to be able to connect to you in ways that they're not going to be able to connect to me because of where you're living at geographically in the way that you're interacting in certain places of life here. And that's important to know. But the beautiful thing is that when we live out these gifts, we strengthen the body. The body matures, the body grows, and the body flourishes. Because now what are we doing? We're building up the church. It says we're building the body of Christ up. One of the things I want to read to you is 1 Peter chapter 4. 
particularly verse 10, where it says this. As a matter of fact, I'm actually going to go back to verse 7. It says, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, him. Listen to this. Keep loving one another earnestly. Since love covers a multitude of sin. Here it is. Show hospitality to one another. Here it is. Without grumbling, my Lord. As each has received a gift, here it is, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's various grace. And then at the end of this, in verse 11, it says that in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus, we are to build up the body of Christ. We are given these gifts in different unique, in different gifts, and, and we're diverse in that, and that's a beautiful thing. Here's what happens. Some things I want to break down. I want to talk to you real quick. There needs to be a difference. I want to talk. I want to press into some things about when it comes to building up the body. And sometimes why it doesn't happen. Why do our focus get off? Why do we shift? Why do we lose sight of it? We don't become as eager anymore. It's because sometimes um, we, we tend to approach community, which I got this from the book called Gospel Center Community, from a functionative or formative community. We, we say functional community. I'm at the center. It's self-serving. What can I get? Give it to me right now. I hear what you're trying to do. No, I'm good. I, I, I'm at the center. What can you give to me? On the flip side, we have formative community. Christ is at the center. God is at the center. And you're saying, hey, you're going to work this thing out. If you said all things work together for the good, you're going to make this thing out. For those who, as he says, all things work together for the good to those who are called and are loved by him. You're at the center, God. So you're going to work this out. So I'm going to press in and I'm going to trust what you have for me. I'm going to trust it formative community. He's at the center. But what happens sometimes is that we tend to get isolated. We tend to get isolated and we say, hey man, I don't really need community. And hear me, I'm talking about not isolated in the sense of what 2020 has brought when many of us were in our homes and we weren't able to get with other people. That, that is one form of it. And what that has taught us is that we're not meant to live in isolation. But what also happens is that there's an isolation of living life by yourself. Because you're eager in pursuing the money, you're trying to get the career advancement, and you're trying to um, prioritize what um, other things in life, and hear me, they're not bad, we need them, we have to function, we have to eat, we got to provide, they are good, but we shift our priorities and we say, hey, you know what, Christ becomes second, the body becomes second, but my needs come first. And that's what not God calls us to do. I was talking to a brother. And it was really encouraging as I listened to him and I heard his heart and he said, man, he has, he's been gone for a while. And he said, hey, man, I had to come back. I had to come back because I was chasing, like I, got, I was chasing the money. I was chasing the careers and I realized I was empty. I was empty, man. I miss the body. I need to be here. I need to be around believers because he said, man, it's rough out there. It's hard out there. And I was so encouraged because he realized the importance of the body, the importance of how we need to be with one another, to build one another up, to encourage one another, to spur one another along when life gets hard. Sometimes we need a pick-me-up. We know what it is. We can be down, but, but God sends a brother and sister in the faith in our local context or even a brother and sister on the job. And you're like, man, I'm encouraged now. You're giving me wind beneath my wings because I almost didn't see a way out, but you helped me refocus on what's important here. 
And hear me now, I want to encourage everyone. I want to encourage us, those who are watching online and even those who are here who may be back for the first time. I want to encourage us to come back and to be part of the body, yes, locally on Sunday, but even Christian body throughout the week. That's why gospel communities are important. Formation groups are important for us to get into. As we're getting ready to go through the Mission of God course on Tuesday night, come and be a part of it. And yes, we have to be wise. There are people who can't come in person for health reasons, and they're trying to care for other people. And I'm not diminishing that, and we ought to be wise in doing that. But take advantage of some of the technology that God has given that gives interaction, not just one way of consuming. Pick up the phone, call someone, text them, FaceTime, Zoom with them, interact if you can't be in person here. But what we see as we got this building up the body of what's take place, what he says in verse 14, or excuse me, in 13, he says, we're to build one another up. He says, what? Until we attain the unity of the faith and to the full knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood. Really, that's to, to maturity here. That means men and women to maturity, to the full measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. What that means is that our maturity, we ought to reach the fullness of who Christ is. That's what it is. The maturity where we get to um, be gracious to one another, forgive one another, be compassionate to one another, have humility to one another. You know, the things that Christ demonstrated and exude to the world and to you and myself. We ought to reach that to maturity until that happens. Because he says on the flip side here... You want to pursue that. You want to obtain that. You want to grow in your faith and grow in the knowledge of who Christ is to maturity. Because when you don't, when you're disconnected from the body, when you're trying to live on your own device, what he says in verse 14, so that you may no longer be like children tossed to and fro by winds and carried by every wind of doctrine, excuse me, waves, and carried by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, trickery, and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. What that means is that when we are not connected, when we're not building one another up, when we're not eager to maintain the union of the faith, and we're not living out the characteristics, being patient and humility and suffering, along, uh, uh, bearing with one another, when we forget to do those things, what happens is that we don't get to, we're not pushing towards maturity, which is Christ, is the goal, not ourselves, not the advancement of a job, not trying to be the big dog on there, on your job. But what it says is that when we fail to do that, we become like children. We become impressionable. We become getting tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That means doctrines that, con that contradict what God calls us to do. Doctrines that actually aren't rooted in Christ. Doctrines that we make as gospel but really aren't gospel. And such doctrines cause division and confusion. We make doctrines, hear me now, we make doctrines saying, hey, if you are a Republican, guess what the doctrine is? Then guess what? You, you, you got some problems. You ain't really in Christ. Or if you're a Democratic, hey, the doctrine is, hey, man, you, you, you such a liberal, man. What's going on? We make these doctrines of what, and make them central to the faith when that's the furthest thing from the truth. That's just one example of many because our, our climate over the last year has been really intense with politics here. So I'm not just picking on that. That's just an easy example for us to understand because we experience it. We see it on social media, how it causes a lot of division here, okay? But one of the doctrines that's killing me and that hurts us too much is, is my truth doctrine. My truth is my truth. You can't tell me no truth. I don't care what the, the world tells me my truth and I'm going to do what I need to do. Man, that's divisive. 
That's not what God calls us to do. That's not what God says us to do. Those are things that cause divisiveness. And when you do that, when you are, are, are disconnected from the body, those things creep in. You start to get caught up into the trickery of humans, the deceitful schemes, because the enemy wants to use different things to, to plague us and to, to keep us off track. That's why it's so important for us to stay eager, to maintain the union of faith, to be connected because we need one another here. But what I love, what it says in verse 15, it was saying, that, hey, so that it talks about you won't be tossed around by every doctrine. It says, but rather, get this, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love. Why? So we need to grow up in every way into him. We speak the truth in love so that we can grow up into him, so that we can mature into Christ. Not ourselves, not our own, not our own standard, but Christ's standard. And hear me now, to speak the truth... But to give no love is to beat somebody down. Because all you're trying to do is get your point across. There ain't no love, there ain't no love sprinkled in it. But get this, on the flip side, to just be all love and no truth actually hinders spiritual growth for those we engage with. There needs to be a balance. You ought to speak the truth in love and you say, here is God's word. And hey, I hear you. I understand where you're coming from. But can I point you to Christ? Now, hear me now. You can't control what somebody does. But if we do our job and to realize that, man, hey, we've been, God is compassionate with us. He speaks the truth to us. He's merciful and gracious to us as he gives us truth. Therefore, let me handle my brother and sister in the same way. And on the flip side, when someone gives us truth, in love, let us receive that because we have blinders and there may be something God is using in your brother and sister to help us see something that we're blinded of. Speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love in every way, in every way, all areas of your life so that you may grow up into him. But then he says in the whole body, in verse 16, the whole body Held, uh, joined together and held, uh, joint and held together by every joint which is equipped. Get this: each part, each part is working properly. When each part is working properly, my Lord. When each part is working properly, let me say it again. When each part is working properly, what am I saying? Every last one of us have a role and a part to play. Do not think you are less than or you not value because you may not be as eloquent as some or you may not be as task-oriented as some. God has gifted you for a purpose to build up the body and you are valuable and you are needed. And when you press into that, the body matures and the body grows and so when that's why you are needed because each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up hear me it builds itself up into love that's why we need to get rid of the consumeristic mindset but we need to have the heart of servanthood in one of builders let us build into this thing. Let us build with one another. When friction happens, that's okay. God is doing something there. Even when Pharaoh did not want to listen to Moses, God was doing something there. God used Pharaoh to speak his will and to get, God, to get his will done. Moses encountered opposition. What am I saying? Just because everything is in flowers and roses and we're tiptoeing through the tulips doesn't mean that God isn't at work. 
But each one, when working properly, builds it up. What am I saying here? Do your part. Quit. We have this idealistic of community. We have our ideal, our dream community. And because we think this should look this way, it should go this way and exactly that way. And what happens is that it blinds us for loving the church right where it's at. Because when you are going through your mess and when you live, you want people to love you right where you at. You want people to be patient with you. You, you know, I want people to be patient with me. I know I do. I'm not going to lie. I'm, I, come on, man, give me some slack, man, my bad. I'm, I'm, seriously. When each part is working properly, we grow and mature. And it's so beautiful because then the people, when they encounter, they go, hey, man, what y'all do on the corner of Park Avenue and Broadway? That's different. Bro, there's different people. Y'all don't think the same. Y'all don't look the same. But, man, you guys are, you're worshiping God together. Hey, how is it that you can sit next to somebody? And then you go, man, but God. Because this is my brother and sister in Christ, and there's something they can show me about who God is, and our common bond is more important than my own agenda. It's like, hey, man, we, we're trying to point people to Jesus. We're trying to encourage one another to, to go, and we're trying to do it together, and we're trying to build up the body of Christ because I'm, need, cause, cause one, I'm needed. And they're needed. An orchestra. An orchestra, when they're warming up, it's a hot mess. It composes of different parts. You got the strings and the percussions going. You got the wind. You got the brass. And they're all playing the, the, the sheet. They're all playing on the note, the the... the, the the song that they're about to be, the, the, they're going to uh, compose together. And it's a hot mess because one is practicing too fast and one is practicing too slow. And then one is just kind of sitting there saying, I got it all together. I don't need to practice. <laughs> I'm waiting for y'all to get done. One is nervous as all get out. So they're playing a little lighter. But what's beautiful about the orchestra is there's a conductor. And the conductor comes and is the one who is deciding what, they, what, what will be played and has a strategy for the whole piece. And the conductor comes, there's a little stick, <laughs> to get the attention. And everybody in uniformity gets up and the conductor is playing the piece. And what once was a hot mess because everybody was on their own accord now produces a beautiful sound like no other because they're not following the course of their own beat. No, their eyes is fixated on the conductor and they're playing at his tempo and his beat and his movement. And as they continue to go, what happens at the end of the piece, everybody stands up in ovation and they're clapping because there was a beautiful sound that was made. What am I saying, family? We have a conductor named Jesus and that when he sits here and he has a whole piece and a whole strategy on how we ought to sound, how we ought to move, how we ought to go about. And he is conducting and telling us what to do. And the Holy Spirit is saying, no, not that place. Don't do that. You're going too fast. Slow down. Oh, you need to pick back up. Stay in it with that. And he's conducting and he's orchestrating a beautiful music. And so that one day 
When we're all in heaven and even here on earth, people are going to say, that is a beautiful sound. I need to be part of that. Can I be a part of that? And then you can say, absolutely, come on. But they'll say, I'm not that good at it. And you'll say, that's okay, because God saved us in our sin, yet while we were sinners, and you can be a part of it. And then he, and as you bring them along, you're playing a course. And now you're bearing with one who is weaker than you. And then you encounter someone that's stronger than you. And as we continue to move to the beat of our conductor, we will see something beautiful. Not because we're all that in a bag of chips. No, but because we have one who is rich in mercy and his blood drips over us and he wants to be glorified. And when we do, the kingdom will advance. And that, my friends, is how we build up community because we're focused on the conductor instead of being the conductors ourselves. Let us pray. Let us pray. God, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. I'm so glad that Jesus is the ultimate conductor and that he causes us to move in such a way that keeps us from moving fast or slow on our own beat. And I pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that we would be a church that would be eager to maintain the unity of the faith because we have one faith, one hope, one Lord, one Father, one baptism. I'm so grateful that we get to do this together and get to see one another in a beautiful light. And so God, I'm grateful and I thank you for all that you've done. Help us to be people that is marked by humility, patience, gentleness, long-suffering so that we can be eager to maintain the unity. Thank you for all that you do. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Park Church exists to make disciples of Jesus for the glory of God and for the joy of all people. If you enjoyed this, make sure you share it with someone. We'd also love to hear from you on social media. Find us with at Park Church Denver. Lastly, more resources and info are available online at parkchurch.org. Peace and love.